Hey everyone and welcome to Previously in the Multiverse. I am Peter, that is Connor, and this is a DC Comics podcast. It's a sister show to Comics from the Multiverse where we review the new DC Comics, but this is me and Connor working through some old comic book runs. And coming up on this week's show, we have uh, more of Post-Crisis Batman. We have Detective Comics 575, which is actually the start of Batman Year 2, which I'll be honest, I did not realize started so goddamn soon after Batman Year 1. Uh but there you go. Uh, we got Wonder Woman 14, it's part of Brian Azzarello's Wonder Woman run. Uh, we got The Flash 71, uh, which is part of Mark Wade's run. Uh, Birds of Prey issue 5 from the original Chuck Dixon run. We got GSA 14 from Jeff John's long run. We got Shazam, the new beginning issue 4, wrapping up that miniseries. And then Batgirl issue 11 from the Brian Q. Miller, uh, Stephanie Brown Batgirl run. So that is what's coming up on this week's show. So yeah, there you go. Detective Comics 575 will start things off. Uh, this is, of course, uh, start of year two, as I said. This is kind of interesting for me because, you know, I've heard a couple of things that people don't like about this story, but I've never read it. Uh, and I don't know a lot of the details. I, I know that there's some stuff with the gun that killed his parents. So that was the only thing I really knew going into this. So how, how, how much were you aware? Assuming you hadn't read it already. Uh, just that as well. I, I knew it had a reputation. Um mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect uh, exactly. I did not realize, they say earlier, it was so close to uh, year one uh, in, in terms of publication. Obviously, they, that sold well, and editors were like, do more, people. Yeah, it was like a month between the last issue of year one and then this. Like, one month like in between, I think. Yeah, I can, I can only assume the first issue did so well, but they, you know, they immediately shifted gears in the editorial offices. And I guess... Went. There is a nice quality to it in that you've you've used year one to kind of like establish Batman as a different type of book. And admittedly, I think Batman, the, the first issue we've read that's been after year one, feels, you know, pretty old school again in comparison to year one. But year one's kind of this template going forward. I think Detective, it makes sense to have give Detective kind of a similar thing where that gets a story that kind of establishes that, okay, now we're really going to post-crisis Detective comics. So... I don't know if it necessarily had to be year two, but it, it works uh, it does. on a conceptual it does. level. So uh, so this is uh, Mike W. Barr and Alan Davis uh, on writing and art, respectively, who were on the book anyway. It's not like this, uh, you know. Yeah, I am. Um, oh, actually, the... were they on Batman before? They've definitely been on some Bat books that we've been talking about in this no, show. No, I think they've been on this because I I have the, just the year two collection. Mm-hmm. And I read the intro letter, and they talked about uh-huh. how you know they'd been on their run. They had to interrupt their tales of Batman and Robin to to do this. Interesting, interesting. Uh, notably, the uh, bigger anniversary trade that I'm looking at for these issues also has Batman: The Circle, which is a graphic novel, I think, which came out like in 1991. So uh, we're not going to do that just now. It's maybe something when we get to the that that point in 1991, 1992, whenever it came out, that's maybe when we'll look at that. But it's worth mentioning yeah. for value's sake, it's in there too. So you know, so. it is. It's a Batman full circle. There you go. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Batman five seven five, or sorry, Detective Comics five seven five, uh, to be correct. Uh, it kicks off uh, with Gordon on a on a news. Now, Gordon is not as you know, he's definitely not the main character of this book like he was year one. But clearly, they're trying to include him uh, at least in a healthy capacity it's just enough here to you know link it in your mind to mm-hmm. year one i think yeah and it's basically gardens on this talk show talking about what the current relationship between the police department and the batman is uh debating the batman and it introduces this idea of the reaper this uh vigilante who went around killing bad guys uh, a few decades ago 
Uh, yeah, and, it was like 20 years ago. And we get this like image on the screen. So it's actually, I like, I like the little touch that says artist rendition because no one's actually ever gotten a photo of him. So it's like artist rendition. So it is, he is dressed kind of like a Reaper, like a Grim Reaper almost. Yeah, uh, big scythe. Yeah, although the scythe is more like a one that's coming out of his uh, sleeve. It's, it's not like a big stick with a scythe. You it's know, like it's... A, a scythe hand. Yeah. So it, it just kind of sets these things up and it brings up the idea that they've got the bat signal now. Uh, and mm-hmm. she keeps getting it wrong. She keeps calling him Captain Gordon, and he's just been promoted to commissioner. So it's just doing some, you know, continuity stuff here, which is nice. Just setting, establishing the timeline, like where this is and how the the, the early days of Batman formed. I also really like the transition because uh, there's some uh, criminals sort of hearing this in the TV as they're robbing a place, and we see the bat signal in the sky when they mention it. And I like that the next panel is one of their flashlights hitting Batman's chest, and it looks kind of like the bat signal again. Uh, yeah, I, I like that transition. Really good. Really nice I actually think touch. the uh, the art in this is fantastic. This issue, it's um, pretty good. Honestly, the only thing going against it is that it's meant to be a follow up in some way to Year One, and it's it looks nothing like Year One. Yeah, no, I think if you if you disregard the comparison to Year One, yeah, I think this is the best outside of Year One. I think this is the best either of this you know this all Batman has looked since we yeah. started. No, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, I like that moment especially. I think all the stuff with the signals really good because you see it a lot because they, they 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 end up turning out the lights and it actually this whole I, fight sequence. I mean, fight sequence has been a bit generous, maybe, but yeah, it's Batman in the dark. We see all the sound effects and it's good. But I think what this does really smartly, though, given what the cliffhanger of this issue was, and given that we've already mentioned, we knew it was going to be about Batman and the gun that killed his parents. I think it's really neat that this fight scene does establish thematically that we're going to be talking about guns in this because it, you know, because he says, oh, because they say, oh, we've got guns at least. And he's like, well, if you've already, if you're putting your faith in guns, you've already lost. Uh, so yeah. it sets up thematically quite early on what this book's going to be tackling. And also uh, the uh, the last panel of that page after Batman jumps out the window, it's him swinging in towards the bat signal. That's a panel I've seen used without the dialogue. Uh, oh, sure. A lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, 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 I think, you know, it it sticks out in my mind with the way the co- the cape is, the way the you know the the rope below him is hooked. Uh, you know, I I can definitely remember seeing this particular image used quite a bit. Yeah, and then we're introduced to uh, some some new characters. I had I laughed that someone who's kind of a love interest for Bruce is called Rachel in this because my mind immediately started going Rachel, Rachel. <laughs> Doesn't everyone's? <laughs> it's bad enough in stuff that's not Batman, but I'll start doing it because someone's, someone's called Rachel. Is that a bit of Batman thing, especially? Come on. You uh, can't help yourself. Yes, it's not that Rachel, of course, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure that Rachel was invented for the movie. But, pretty um, sure, yeah. But yeah, so uh, Leslie knows this young woman who's welcoming her father who's returning to town, this uh, old man. I was getting a... Uh, Joe, you know I was always thinking of here. Uh, he's a bit taller than this... The, this guy, but I was thinking of uh, Hector Salamanca from from Saul and Breaking Bad a little bit. I can see that, uh, especially at the bottom of the page where he intentionally looks a bit more menacing with a low angle. Yeah, yeah, I I can see it. Yeah, maybe a cross between H- Hector Salamanca with the 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 fireman from Twin Peaks. Oh, I was going to say mixed with uh, the tall man from Phantasm, but okay, yeah. I, I could see your comparison to. Uh, the, the face shape kind of went is, is kind of why I went mine, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, so Leslie's actually knows this woman. She's taking her for a dinner, which turns out to be with Bruce Wayne because they're basically trying to talk Bruce into giving money to her noble cause. Usual, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, so but it's established this old guy, right? 
uh bruce is making people work overtime to build this building uh but and he's going to give the penthouse to leslie and she's like well that's too much bruce but bruce takes quite a liking to this young rachel <laughs> he's, he's he's all excited that she's she's got this noble because he, he's not really that interested at first he's he's, he's just kind of like fobbing her off but when she starts talking about like understanding why evil exists in the world so she can fight it it's like oh he's gets a bit of a bad boner you might say yeah uh, and then and then she you know she she blue balls him a bit and goes but, sorry I'm, I'm off to be a nun didn't i mention that yeah because he asks her out to like the ballet which again makes me think of uh dark knight actually <laughs> yeah i can see it uh but uh she's like oh sorry i can't go and he's like wait is this, is this someone else that's understandable he's ready to accept that and she's like no i'm becoming a nun <laughs> it's like oh, okay fair enough i guess uh yeah uh well but no obviously uh you know mr caspian his name uh, isn't home when she gets there and he's walking down uh some shady neighborhoods in in gotham and he witnesses a a mugging happening this this, this young woman's being mugged by a, a bunch of thugs and we see him open his closet to reveal his sickle uh, hands and whatnot. And it's like, oh, shit. I mean, it's not surprising. I mean, I'm saying, oh, shit, because I'm, I'm giving the book what it wants from me. It's not that surprising that the one character that introduced her is a bit older turns out to be the character that introduced in the first oh, page. Honestly, the <laughs> only surprise I had at any of this point is that she wasn't the, the Reaper uh, in the sense that, you know, she's inherited the, the mantle almost. Hey, if they had done that, this would be so close to Mask of Phantasm in a lot of ways. Be- oh, really? long, be- long before Phantasm existed. And it's funny that I brought up the tall man earlier, which is a Phantasm yeah. thing. Uh, but, yeah. Even Mask of Phantasm, when I think about fan- the Phantasm character, the costume was not a million miles away from this Reaper costume. Maybe there's some influence there. I mean, it's perfectly plausible. Yeah. Doesn't have sickles or anything like that, but... Uh, I actually really like the design of, of the Reaper. Um, and... When we see him a little bit later in the, you know, with the the actual red armor, mm-hmm. uh, I know I know this isn't quite there yet, but it feels very nineties. Like I, I can see how we're getting towards the nineties oh, sure, in, in yeah. that sort of design aesthetic. Yeah, what's actually really funny is that between this episode and last episode, I actually just to make sure we were re- reading Detective and Batman in the right order, because obviously we've just been alternate, alternating, which for the most part should be right, but obviously eventually might one may get delayed or uh, when other bat books are introduced and that kind of thing. And I mapped out, like, uh, to the end of 87... No, 88. We're on 87, I think. To the end of 1988. And there is a, a couple of times it changes, but it was just kind of fascinating looking at, like... Because we were saying just a week or two ago, like, how close uh, Death in the Family is. And in terms of, like, how many episodes we have to go through to get to, it's still quite far away. Uh, it's, it's late. Yeah, we're on episode... 15. 15. Yeah, it's just 15. And I think you said to me it's going to be around 60 right. Depending. I can see us doubling up in the bat books before then, though, so make, we may get there quicker. Yeah. But if we kept the current pace. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we'll probably double up just to just so we're doing one, or just so we're doing a month of Batman books per episode as opposed to uh, half a month of Batman books. Uh, mainly because by the time we get to the end of the following year, we're starting to sneak in like miniseries that were happening and things like that, so... It'll yeah, just keep and us going at yeah, pace. a little bit of a behind-the-scenes glimpse. Thanks to our new recording schedule that we we have for this, it shouldn't mm. be too difficult to actually kind of squeeze that. Honestly, in. it's better for us to have an even number of books <laughs> now, which is why I'm thinking we we'll probably double up a bit earlier than we were going to. <laughs> Sounds reasonable. Uh, but yeah, so I'll be honest. This is the weird thing: is that I came into this with expectations, uh, and I actually kind of liked the issue 
a lot. No, I did too. Um, uh, maybe it goes off the rails. There's the the, the moment yeah, at the end. The, the cliffhanger is the only thing that would have made me go, "Oh, I want to see what they're going to do with this." And I, I have no idea what he does with the gun, so it might really upset me. He's like a you know the way I look, the type of Batman I love, the the values that I I subscribe to Batman is having. Maybe this story is going to really piss me off later, but this issue on its own, I actually really liked. <laughs> I I do as well, and just in defense of the gun. Well, not, not not using it entirely, but the story here is early days. That's the point. Yeah. If this is, if the story of this is reaffirming, no, I can't ever use a gun. Yeah, yeah. If, if this is a story I, that sort of makes him say, no matter what, that is just burned like, into me now. That's I'm, who I'm I am. I'm okay with him shooting a gun in the this early story, right? Uh, as long as that's the message by the end. Obviously, he can't kill anyone with it. That would obviously be mm-hmm. way too far. But if he shoots the gun. And then by the end of the story, you know, you know, it comes through, and he's like, "No, I can never touch a gun again." I'm, I'm okay with that as long as yeah. it's handled reasonably well. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe even if he, like, he does hit someone with it, and they end up in life support, and he actually feels so relieved when they don't die or something. Like, I could see that being kind of the, the beat. Sure. You know, I mean, yeah. That's the thing. People who have read this will know this, and don't tell us, but you know, we'll discover it through the issues. It's part of the fun of doing this show, but. Uh, yeah, before we get to the end, though, there's a, a scene where he's with Leslie, and it, just, it re-establishes Leslie doesn't know who he is, uh, because, you know, Alfred doesn't hide the fact that, hey, the bat signals are unserved, uh, have to... Yeah, yeah, and he <laughs> goes going. off the clock, and she's just like, really? You, you have to do this? Because I actually really like the moment, because he goes off down to the cave, and Leslie says something like, uh, you know, after Bruce is like, I promise I'll come back, yada yada, he says, she says to Alfred, hey, you know, you know, what's it actually like, because she's never been down the back, so what's it like down there, Alfred? And she, he says, I think Miss Leslie, it may be the only place on earth where he truly feels himself. And I love that you go from this brightly lit, you know, living room up in the mansion down to the, the dark, gloomy cave. And there's that panel of Bruce holding the back costume and it's the sort of dark blues and he's, his face has got a lot of shadow on it. And it just, it really feels like, yeah, the Bruce Wayne that we mostly see is the act, right? And then like, this is where he's truly himself. I love that for as much places this story might go, it might upset us later. I think this issue does a really good job of really establishing some of those early bat things <laughs> that we like. In, in many ways, this feels closest to, uh, again, discounting year one from this conversation yes. in terms of the, the Batman detective books we've been reading from this time. This feels the closest to what we recognize as modern Batman, I would say, yeah. out of everything. So you can feel it getting there. You know, The bat lane as a whole is getting there. Uh, we're seeing signs of it creep in here, yeah. which is great. Uh, so, uh, Batman goes to speak to Gordon, who informs him of the Reaper, who did kill, like, a whole gang, like, the night before, you know, as the scene we kind of, we kind of glossed over, like, the actual killing Which part. Which is a, a gorgeous couple of pages, actually. The, the way the mm-hmm. Reaper is presented with the shadow and just the sights coming out and just the, the slashes and the blood and, uh, you know, you see, like, a, a guy's hand coming off just in the shadow. I actually... A fantastic touch. I quite like the colouring, uh, on these Gordon pages, uh, mainly the idea that Batman's got his blue cape here. So what they do with the city is that they, the other idea of the orange glow of the city lights. Mm. So the building and all the light coming through the windows are orange. So anyway, it's the sort of thing that movie posters were using for ages was the blue and orange contrast, but it actually works really well. <laughs> there's a reason why yeah. movie posters were doing it, because it works. There's only, there's only so many colors on the spectrum. When you find the combinations that work, you just, you gotta go with it. <laughs> it yeah, nothing wrong with that. Uh, but of course, Reaper's out, uh, you know, attacking another. Batman figures out that, well, the place he sort of was patrolled before was a place that used to be nicer 20 years ago, but is now, you know, kind of, you know, full of crime and whatnot. So he predicts where Reaper's going to go. 
Reaper go- goes to attack, and Batman goes to fight him. But Reaper, you know, revealing, you know, pulling back his cloak, reveals that he's got thick leather red armor on underneath. And, and this is where it feels kind of proto nineties. It's it's not quite bulky enough, but you got the big shoulder mm. pads, you got the the spikes and the you know the stuff coming off it. Like yeah, it's starting to get towards that period. Yeah, so they have a big fight for a few pages. Batman gets slashed a uh, number of times, and you know it's just proper. And then he gets shot. You know he it ends with Reaper just you know firing bullets into him, and he does hit him a few times. Batman obviously escapes out of the sewer to escape certain death, but he crawls home. Alfred finds him bloody on the floor. Uh, Leslie's there when he wakes up, and he's like, "See, I made it back." <laughs> you know, little, little worse for wear, but I made it back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he he pulls out, and, we, and there's like a little snippet flashback of like just of Bruce pocketing the gun, you know, as a kid from the crime yeah. scene. Which, I mean, I guess the police would have just assumed the bad guy would have taken the gun with him, so that's why they never. I, like, I guess they did, yeah. Yeah, but I'm like, you know, the police never like. Like the police were corrupt as shit. They didn't care. True, true. Uh, but yeah, the cliffhanger is him pulling out the gun from under the, the 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 portrait of his parents, saying, "You know, I have to fight them on their own terms." You know. Yeah, I like in concept. Again, I'm not annoyed by this because this is. He said no. He used everything he had, all his skill, all his strength, and it wasn't enough. Maybe, maybe guns are the only way that I can do this. Yeah, and him having that contemplation is is a story worth telling. I think him failing first, I think, is really important. If he just sort of leapt to this for almost no reason, I'd have a big problem with it. Uh, obviously, the point of this story by the end has to be that he's going to never do it again and swear off of it, but. Uh, as of yet, I'm not pissed off. <laughs> no, I think that is a a story. Like it was a story worth telling, and but obviously they did tell it. This story has a reputation for not, you know, for people hating it. So I'm kind of like semi predicting that something's going to piss me off at some point. I just don't know what yeah, it is. Yeah, but on on the other end of the ske- spectrum, Emperor Joker had a, had a reputation for being good. So <laughs> that's something. Yes, and that was almost complete garbage, barring like one issue, but one and a half issues maybe. Uh, to be generous, yeah. So you know, maybe maybe we'll book the trend here too. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe. Uh, so that is the Ted Comics five seven five. What are you giving it? Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight. Actually, I was I was thinking between the seven point five and the eight, and I'm I'm just about gonna give it to it. Yeah, I like it. It's obviously not as good as your one, but I think it's a. As a continuity follow-up to sort of now, obviously, I, in my head, I've always kind of considered year, like, a long Halloween to be kind of year two esque, uh, or maybe a year three to, to fit it after this if we really want to sort of slot everything together. But uh, this, this is uh, honestly, I thought this was a fine issue. Good art, uh, some good bat beats. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of into it. I've I've used bat boner and bat beats both in the duration of this review. I'm proud of myself. Uh, so. Yeah, so if I, can, if I can make more bat puns uh, as we go. And they're not really puns, they're, they're just more, you know, goofy Batman stuff that you can thank the 60s show for more than anything else. Uh, there's a bat everything, basically. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it the eight as well, as we saw was in there. Wonder Woman issue 14, are we on? Yeah, 14. Uh, Brian has a real writing with Tony Akins on the art. And we, you know, everything basically falls on from from that last issue uh we have what turns out to be the uh because i don't think we knew this last issue but the, the the big naked dude that came out of the uh the ice and the snow uh seems to be the the firstborn zeus's firstborn yeah uh which one would have to assume having read all the other gods worry about oh this this child of zeus is going to like take the throne 
I feel like this big dude who seems really pissed and angry, who's the first one, might be the one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like they never predicted that it might be the one who actually is as Hera's kid, <laughs> because 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 he references Hera being his mother at one point, and I feel like you know they were they were expected to be one of the bastard child child children, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know how much do all the other gods know about this this one. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, um, I mean, his history is not known on Earth except from this one that guy who translated the text of the what the who was it? There was like a witch or something. Something. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. Some woman who died, but she had his story like tattooed all over her body, and yeah. he spent years translating it. Um, so that kind of sets that stuff up. Uh, and then we have Wonder Woman herself is dealing with uh, what was it? What was her name? Soraka. Soraka. There you go. Uh, she is fighting all the blades, all that stuff from from last issue. Uh, and she finally reveals uh, her story, which is kind of like, you know, it's kind of what you expect. It's Hera showing up and being pissed because this is... Be- being a jealous bitch and being like, nope, screw you. Yeah, she, she basically ages her mother in, you know, super speed so that her mother just, like, dies in front of her um, and disintegrates and we see her, like, all breaking apart. And the kid too, actually, but Zeus kind of intervenes and saves his child, uh, which is how she kind of becomes what she is. Um... But Wonder Woman was eventually able to say, hey, Hera's also kind of messed up, like, my life and my family and everyone I care about, and I've only got really kept her around because she might be able to reverse it, you know, I might have a chance of bringing them back, so, you know, maybe calm down a little bit and let's talk about this. Uh, ultimately, though, she feels sympathetic uh, upon hearing about this, this, you know, the, the kidnapped child, and that maybe they can save another victim of Hera and Zeus. And she's willing to like sort of basically basically offer, hey, our brother may be able to help. Uh, who is it she brings up? Uh, which one was it? <laughs> There's too many stupid god names. All right, I, I I can't remember them all. There is a lot of names in this one. Um, who was it that she brings up this time? Can you, have, you, have you got it there? I haven't found it yet. No. Da 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 da. It's. it's- uh, yeah, it's right near the end, isn't it? Yeah, because she's looking for her through the wind. She's trying to listen to see if Hermes will like say anything out loud, and it means that he's either being quiet or he's not, uh, or he's he's on a, he's in like a realm beyond her reach. Yeah, uh, but she tells the article at New York to look for Milan. That's the one. Yes. Uh, um, I I think this is one that's just for the, the you know the 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 run here, like Soraka, another one of these you know bastard childs. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Because there is a scene in the middle before, uh, before all this with the, the gods all debating, uh, basically talking about how much of a threat Wonder Woman is. Uh, Ares is basically just giggling to himself because he thinks it's all bullshit and wanders off. Classic Ares. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, I have to admit, I did think the art was a little bit in the goofy side. Here, Wonder Woman's walking away from uh, Soraka and she's waving goodbye. Something about that, I feel like it was like from a different comic. It felt like a, like a, like a happy like kids comic for a second. Yeah, I think it's it's worth noting that there are a couple of different artists working on this. So Tony Akins does all the layouts, but Dan oh, okay. Green does finishes for pages one to seven and ten to twelve, and then Rick Burchett does finishes on eight, nine, and thirteen to twenty, which does explain some of the different styles. All right, so it's a bit all over the place then. Uh, uh, that's fair yeah. enough. That's fair enough. Uh, I blame DC Wiki for not giving me the right artist name. <laughs> I mean. Technically, it gave you the right artist. It just didn't give you all of the artists. Yeah, uh, and there was another scene with the uh, 
the the firstborn, which was the story was about the wolves the, and all that. Yeah, and then it's like you know, okay, I need I need a sign. You know, the one who has my birthright will be revealed because obviously at the minute he thinks his birthright is the you know the the throne. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who's his throne? Uh, and then the sun rises, and he's like, oh, of course, should have known it'd be that dick Apollo. Yeah. And the last couple of pages is basically our, our sort of stuff with the new gods where High Father is concerned. And Orion's like, ah, we'll deal with it, it's fine. No, you don't understand, boy. I'm afraid. Uh, and it's basically, there's a, something's going to, you know, end time. Uh, and it's on Earth. Uh, and that's kind of the cliffhanger. So, so it just brings them in. So it sets up that Orion's going to be coming to Earth to try and figure out what's going to end everything. Yeah. Uh, so, and I suspect it'll have something to do with the brat that's been kidnapped or something else adjacent probably yeah would be my guess um it's a nice solid tease though um and it's, it's an interesting angle bringing in new gods when we're playing with the you know the old gods so much in this book in particular it will it'll be a, a nice contrast yeah it's all right uh, i do think this issue is one of the weaker ones um like i, I like it still i think it's still low um okay let me phrase that i like everything that's in it I like all of the individual content. I just don't think it flows structurally as well as some of the other issues. I think the art is a bit hit or miss. I'm feeling the different you know finishes here and there. Mm. Yeah, the the art is a bit hit and miss. I it's funny because I I think there's some stuff in this that I like more than I've liked in a lot of the run. Uh, the new gods tease obviously is one of them. Uh, I like the stuff with the firstborn for the most part. Uh, I think the firstborn is a lot easier to get into than a lot of the other god stuff because it's just it's one thing. It's so focused. Yeah. Whereas it's not just a crowd what? of you know eight gods chatting shit. Yeah. When it comes to them at the pool again, like last issue, I was just like, "Are we doing this again?" Like they're all bickering. I don't really get a lot of value out of it. I do get the the reason why you want at least one page of them in this issue because it kind of you know it, I think it makes the firstborn's realization that Apollo's the one who's got the throne. It makes that hit a little bit better because your mind immediately connects that, oh, this is the child. This is the one who's going to take the throne. This is the, or at least potentially it is. Okay, um, going to try to, yeah. Yeah. Because if they weren't in this issue, you may sort of remember it from last issue, but comics, t- especially since they're read monthly, right when they're coming out, uh, it, you know, your mind may not jump there quite as quickly. You might not quite get that point. Yeah. It's solid writing to kind of just have a little reminder there, even if it is in maybe a little bit of a clunky fashion. Yeah. Oh, honestly, the best thing to do may have been, as he says it, just like have like a silent panel of them at the pool, like sort of just to refresh your memory that way. I, I don't know if we did a scene of them all having a debate about Wonder Woman again. No, that's uh, quite possibly the case. Or, or maybe you cut the scene from the last issue and just do it all in this issue, and then you don't feel like you're repeating things. That's fair, because it was one of my least favorite thing in the last issue as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman and Soraka are... It's fine. I, I don't know. It's, just... I, I appreciate that it isn't just, oh, Wonder Woman, you know, punches her you know, and wins. It's No, she gets through to her by talking and, you know, doing Wonder Woman stuff. You know, it, it's the sort of heroics I tend to associate with Superman and Wonder Woman specifically, I think, with the actual, uh, you know, talking the, the enemies down. Um, anyway, well, obviously, they tend to be amongst the most powerful heroes for that reason. Um, yeah. I think it's it's nice to see that here. Uh, that it doesn't just resort to a, a big punch out. I mean, I can I can respect that because I I like that too in theory. I just didn't really get a whole lot out of this one in particular for whatever reason. I I, I felt just kind of mm. disconnected from it. But I I guess it's because we're we're doing a bit of a daisy chain thing here. Uh, 
where it's like, oh, she went and found this person. Like, oh, well, I can't help you, but you can go find this person. And I'm sure there's going to be something at the end of the arc where all the people she's met along the way all show up as, like, a, a team. And that'll the be, usual, right? Yeah, and that'll be fine, but uh, because it's... I'm not really connecting to these characters in their own terms that much right now, so because of that, it's, it's feeling a little bit underwhelming. So, hmm. hey, uh, by the same time, the Firstborn stuff in the New Gods tease is some of the better stuff that I've liked from this book, so... I'll give it a nice solid six. Uh, I'm going to give it a 6.5, which is, you know, one of the most negative ones I've had. But, I mean, overall, I still like the run a lot more than you, so, yeah. The Flash 71, Mark Wade writing, Greg LaRock on the art. And this is the start of a, of a multi-part story. I'm not sure how many issues. It feels like it may be a two-part uh, from... My, my take. Although, before we talk about this issue itself, there was actually a, an eight-issue story with no cover in the, the trade that was here before this issue. So, we read it with this one. You read it with this one, because I am reading the single issues on DC. Okay, well, I, I, I read it. I, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know if it's a part of some other book, some sort of anthology book that Mark Wade still wrote, so they, they threw it in here. Uh, the table of contents does not list it. It's just there in between the two issues. So, I don't know. Uh, maybe someone in the comments can tell us uh, where this comes from, but uh, it's an eight-page story. Uh, this is an alright little... You know, as far as these little stories go that you, you find in these books, uh, where it's about... Uh, was it a congressman? But it's, it's basically there's like an assassination attempt as Wally's going up an elevator, and it's all told in ultra-slow motion as he's trying to go down to like save the, the, the target. Um... And that's basically he's in like a, he's in one of he's in one of those outside glass elevators. So he's like outside and he's looking down, and there's a sniper, and it basically it's just this really fun little sequence of like his coffee cup like falling, and it, it's really good sequencing. The bullets getting closer and closer, and uh, you know, he swoops in time and saves him, uh, and then the, the 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 glass shattering from when he jumped out of the the, the elevator shatters at the end after the he's save the guy from the billet. Um, then he goes up and quickly deals with the guy. And that, that's it. That's, that's basically all it is. But it's a fun, it's a fun little story. Uh, I, I've looked, as far as eight-page stories go, I kind of like just how focused this was. It is a simple thing. Um, it's all just, it's Wally, I think, try to go home because he's like, try to get some sleep because he's been out flashing. <laughs> that sounds quite bad. You know what I mean? He's been out doing flash business all day. <laughs> Better. <laughs> <laughs> he's been out flashing he's been out in the park flashing cats in trees and flashing old ladies who need help across the street he's been flashing <laughs> he's been flashing everyone that Wally yeah you finished being inappropriate yet uh, okay so you think it's like the actual issue 71 I, I just you know it was in the book so I read it just uh, yeah. I might as well mention it uh, and that takes us on to the actual issue itself issue 71 uh, which Honestly, there's a character, so it starts off with Wally in a bank, right? He's, he's, he's basically talking about how slow everything feels, especially for him waiting in lines. And everyone feels like it, you know, it takes an eternity to be in, you know, in a line, in, a, in the queue in the bank or wherever. Post office is another one. Um, <laughs> and I can't remember the last time I queued in a bank, because we just, just do everything with the online. machines. Yes, our machines, yes. Uh, it's gotten better, it's gotten easier over the years, for sure. Uh and I guess, I guess that's the goal, is that enough people can do... Most things can be done with the machines now that very few people have to go to the people, the clerks. Yeah, so. like, I think if you're doing something proper, obviously you have to, but if you're just, you know, depositing, depositing some yeah. cash or a check, 
you just did the machine and it's just in and out and it's way quicker and I think that's where it's it's solved a lot of the problems because you had people just having to go up just to deposit a check or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's uh, filtered people out. Anyway, <laughs> we're not here to talk about bank lines. We're here to talk about... Do you, we can talk about post office lines if you really want. No. <laughs> uh, right now. But there's this sort of yuppie character in front of him. And he's kind of complaining about him. And then eventually this villain, Alchemy, uh, shows up who's kind of like a... Not quite a legacy character of Doctor Alchemy, but there's kind of a, a correlation. He's, he's called himself the Alchemist. So the Alchemist, yes, you're right. Um, but this character, and I didn't quite place what I it wasn't necessarily making me think of anyone specifically at first. But later on, we find out he's like a sort of skeezy lawyer who helps like criminals. And I'm like, you know what? This issue is like, and it's not. It's actually, quite, I think, a good issue. It's a solid issue, but it's like ten times better when I started just thinking of this guy's uh, Saul Goodman the entire time, and Saul Goodman. Being like, come on, Wally, you gotta help me and stuff. And... Oh, I can't wait to read the next issue. <laughs> like all of a sudden, every scene with them was just way more entertaining because I was just, I was hearing Saul Goodman's voice. Oh, I'm gonna do that next time. <laughs> Honestly, I think this issue is one of the best in the run so far. Like, I don't know, oh, there sure. was a step up. Like, even the first page, that first, I don't know, even half a page, you know, where it's just a uh, you know, Wally on the blue background. Mm. I felt the pacing. I felt. Everything just felt tight and like it, like it just stepped up a gear. And even though I don't feel like anything really had changed, it was such a, a simple yeah, thing. I think one of the things we've been saying since the year one story is the, the pacing and the art from La Rock has been very on point at numerous times. Yeah. And, and I don't know if part of this is as well as coming off that, let's be honest, crossover. relatively weak yeah. four part crossover. And, you know, it's been you know, a month or whatever since I've read a proper issue of Flash. And then coming onto this, it's like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be. Yeah, it feels like we're back to the main the main thing. Because we had, we had year one, we had the, the weird, like, Aquaman, which was fine. It was like a goofy little story. And then we had, like, a proper, like, two or three part with Abracadabra. And, uh, you know, this feels like we're back to the, the, the main run. And, you know, I agree. There's a confidence to this. We're bringing back in the ongoing relationship with Linda, which, you know... He's established a little bit, Wade, but it, it was not delved into it too much, yeah. and this issue kind of really sets up a proper ultimate. Even just the very first panel, where it's Wally just stood there on the blue background with the uh, the, the the title, you know, nowhere fast next to it. Mm -hmm. It just felt confident. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. There's a confidence to it. Uh, so yeah, the alchemist shows up, and he's got the philosopher's stone. Uh, or sorry, for the Americans, the sorcerer's stone. Just to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's very good. <laughs> I'll allow it. You won't catch me making a lot of Harry Potter references, but <laughs> uh, I saw an opportunity. I took it. So, Just you wait. He's going to have to talk Star Wars references soon. Oddly, the Star Wars reference that comes up, and it's not in this one, it's in Birds of Prey, but yeah. the Star Wars reference that comes up is actually very Medicalorians, which is interesting because it's before... Phantom Menace came out. Well, it's we'll get to it. We'll, yes, we'll, we'll get. get to I'll, it. I'll I'll give this discussion in Birds of Prey. Yeah, yeah. How about Birds yeah. of Prey? Uh, so yeah, a bit of a fight. You can't quite get to him. Uh, it establishes here for everyone who doesn't know. Um, and to be fair, I don't think I did, or at least I didn't remember it. Uh, the Philosopher's Stone in the context of the DC universe is that it can transmute anything, kind of like how Firestorm can. Um, and Wally even mentions at one point, like, why is he even trying to rob a bank? He can literally just take a lamp post and turn it into like solid gold <laughs> if he wanted to like why yeah. why do this and then he's like oh it's more of a mob pit that that scumbag who was in front of me because uh, there's, there's a funny line in the first page actually where he's like well if i have to wait any longer i might kill someone and then the guy in front is like makes some sort of comment he's like maybe this guy <laughs> like maybe this one 
Yeah. Uh, so no, that was good. Uh, and you know, so he speeds off. Wally doesn't quite catch him. Um, but we we sort of go from there, and he speeds off to the news station where Linda is. He's not seen Linda in a little while, and he's got he's got some roses that he that he buys kind of on the run. And he's surprised to find that Linda's got a big uh, farewell party. There's a big sign saying "Farewell, Linda. We'll miss you." And Wally's like, "Wait, what?" And I, I will point out one thing here that I think's a little bit weird. At least something I considered is like, you know, given how fast you run, does it really matter if she lives in a different city? <laughs> I was thinking that as well, and it's not like it's it's a big secret identity issue. No, because he's at obviously all. you know people know he's 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 strolling around the newsroom with you know cowl down. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's fine. So it's like, so what if she lives in where's she going midway. to midway? And I'm like, just just run over after Even... you know. Even if that's the, and I, I, I don't have a DC map memorized, but even if that's the equivalent of New York to Los Angeles, how how long is that for him to run? Ten minutes tops. <laughs> I know it's, it's like, that's a, that's like a regular. Some people, some couples have to like travel an hour, and that's not seen as that weird. <laughs> so, like the weird part is, you could live in the same city and have to travel longer than it would take Wally West to run across the country. <laughs> But, but you know, I'll forgive it because I actually, I, I like the kind of, essentially she's making a bit of a play here. It's like, hey, if you want to come and stop me, my train leaves at this time. If you want to try and convince me to stay. It almost feels like she really wants him to try and make a commitment because as she, as with her questioning later, the way she says, hey, I, you know, are we more than just friends? It seems like he think he seems to think they are, but he's never actually made it official with her that they're in a relationship. And that's more on him than her. So it's just almost like she's prodding him into actually saying, hey, yes. Oh, yeah, that's definitely what's going on here. Yeah. Admittedly, actually going through the effort of getting a new job offer and having a party to say goodbye to all of her, all of her colleagues is a bit of a, a, bit of a you know... A, it's arguably a little shitty. It's going... No, I'd say it's committed. She's committed to the bit. <laughs> I mean, it's great for her. It's a, it, it's a bit shit if, like, her employer's not in on it. <laughs> sure. Um. Yeah, but she's a top exec. She's a top TV reporter. She she can she'll get her job back. They'll want her back. They'll just they'll, they'll be welcome her back with open arms. Oh yeah, yeah. And and that's not shit. You know, we're just excusing the A list talent doing what they want now, are we? Just do whatever suits them. As an A list talent, yes. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> know your place. Know your place, be less talent, <laughs> and let us continue with the review. <laughs> um, so Wally gets, uh, well, he's a guy called the, the station manager, whoever gets a call from the 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 the, the police captain, the police chief, uh, saying that he needs needs Wally. And I, I love the, the little touch here where he's saying, "Swell, he better need me as he runs off," because he obviously wants to deal with this Linda thing. And the you've got the uh, the ice sort of uh, speech bubble, the idea of it being cold, it's like he's speaking with. Cold yeah. text. Yes. Uh, so that was good. But so he speeds over to the police station, and would you believe it? Saul Goodman. It's the guy he wanted to kill. <laughs> yeah, Saul Goodman's there. And now the captain wants him to protect him. And, you know, and that's exactly what they mentioned that he's, he's, he was in jail, and that's why he knows this, 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 you know, the alchemist is after him because he, he couldn't get him out of jail. But he was operating as a lawyer in jail. So, and he's even, you know, he's not dressed exactly like Jimmy or Saul, but. It, it, it's you know, it's close enough. I could, I could see Saul dressing in that. Yeah. So, 
Yes, uh, but he's told he has to keep him safe because he's, he's a witness. He's going to, like, shop in numerous people, find dead bodies, whatever. Basically, yeah. get the entire mob out of trouble. And there's a bit of backstory here uh, where this uh, the alchemist, like, how he stole this. Star Labs were using the, the rock, the, the stone, and this guy stole it. And that's, you know, how he's got the powers and all the rest of it. Um... Basically, from here, uh, we, he runs out of the station with uh, the guy on his back. Uh, Magliani is his name, by the way. We keep calling him Saul Goodman, but his name's Magliani, just in case. <laughs> just in case anyone wants to actually check something and needs to know his name. Uh, so they're, they're on the run, and then he just casually drops that he's got a, t- uh, a TV interview that he needs to record. Talk show thing at noon. Yeah. He's like, oh, I guess we're doing that then. And he's like, do you think that's safe? And he's like, it's, it's not live, by the time it airs on TV, it'll be days old, and, like, you know, you won't know where I am. And, of course, immediately as soon as they get there, the 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 the, the stage manager's like, okay, we're going to live in 10. <laughs> yeah. And would you believe it? I, I will say, though, that on the way there, I did like a lot of the art. Uh, like, when they speed past the uh, the woman in the green skirt, and it's almost like the Marilyn Monroe kind of thing. Yeah, or it blows up, just from yeah. the, the speed of his wind trails. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was, there's some fun art in there. Um, I will say that, I mean, speaking of ladies, though, there's, there's the one woman in the beach in the ridiculously over-the-top uh, skimpy bikini. Maybe a little bit of the, you know, the pandering. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's uh, just Starfire's new 52 outfit. <laughs> it's almost like they got, uh, it's, it's almost like her hair as well. They just recolored a little bit. They did. They just saw the rocks out. That'll do. <laughs> no i actually felt that here as well like, it yeah. felt like just an excuse to draw it on, on that page and then you know the, the the woman you know on the next page isn't as bad you know with the, the dress yeah, before, it's it, doesn't, fine. it doesn't feel overly sexualized it just feels like a fun little callback to a classic it does movie yeah. moment yeah it doesn't feel that bad it's just that, that uh, first page of this where it's a bit just kind of there yeah and would you believe it barely seconds into the interview the alchemist shows up and Wally's dart- darting about, and he kind of internally thinks to himself that, well, luckily he can't transmute living people, and the, you know, uh, the the alchemist did it once, and it took years of practice, and it it was it took a lot out of him, and it wasn't this easy thing. So, you know, hopefully this guy's only had it for a little bit of time. He won't be able to do that, uh, which leads to a cliffhanger, of course, uh, which he does transmute Wally into solid gold. So the final page is this full page spread of Wally, just a, a gold statue. Uh, which is a fun little cliff. I actually like how it eggs uh, into it. I love the the last panel on the page before, where it's the it's just two people in the TV studio holding their eye, their hands up to their eyes because the the blinding blinded light. by the light. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought it built up to the the final page really well. So yeah, no, it was really good. Um, I think some of the uh, action is is weirdly some of the weakest parts of the art from La Rock. Uh, occasionally looks a little bit messy. Oh, there's just too much going on. Yeah, I feel like it's because I, I almost wonder if there's just not a, a really good defined sense of what the action's supposed to be. So it's just kind of like do some tornado arms and stuff, they'll, and they'll yeah. that'll be fine. <laughs> it could be it, um, but the actual all the pacing uh, in this issue is particularly fantastic. Hmm. No, I agree. Uh, I, I I like I, I think Wally's character has been nailed down a little bit more. You know, him being annoyed in the line at the start, uh, his interactions with the the skeezy lawyer. Like, everything about it feels a bit like, even though he's still cracking jokes in his head about wanting to kill someone, it never comes off as mean like he has done a couple of issues uh, before. Yeah. There's a there's a full page kind of in the middle that's the origin of the Philosopher's Stone, which, 
was a little bit wordy, but I really love the layout design where it's all kind of the panel layout of it is inside a, you know, version of the Philosopher's Stone. And it's it's a, it's a nice portrayal, at least, even if it is a bit overly wordy for that, that page. Yeah, that's fair. All right, then, what are you given Flash 71? Uh, I think I'm going to give it an 8.5. It's, it's real solid. Yeah, I agree with that. It's born to just agree with your score, but uh, that's kind of where so I landed. Some, sometimes to. it's the right score. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, you go. Birds of Prey, issue 5, Chuck Dixon writing with Greg Land on the art. Uh, after the cliffhanger, of course, of the Macha Kahata uh, Lake monster. Makachitahu. There's too many syllables, damn it. Yeah. What have we done anyway? I, I do like that uh, Babs actually cracks a, like a little joke about it as well when she's like saying it wrong. Um, yeah. So interesting. I enjoyed the last issue quite a bit, and this obviously t- we get a couple of fun pages to start with Dinah diving away from this this uh, sea monster, and uh, you know the Gary the, the the hapless guy who was all sort of like you know uh, nervous around her before. Uh, sort of, you know, comes out with the old man with a shotgun, and she gives him a kiss on the cheek, and he's like, "Whoa!" It's like the best day of his life. Um, so really fun stuff. Though she she wakes up Babs by saying, "Hey, there's a goddamn monster here. <laughs> Help me now!" And we also see the the ravens who, very bizarrely, when they come up from the water, find a volcano instead of the, you know, the 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 hotel and the lake house and whatnot. Yeah, it's uh, it's unusual. It's very usual. They're not expected to go that route, and maybe suggest that the monster may actually be real and came from wherever they have now went to. Was my first thought. Yeah, uh, that's why I did too. Uh, and then we cut back to the other subplot we've got going here, which is the the over the top uh, guy from the Pentagon who's determined to find this this hacker. Who they're really they're really making us think it's Babs throughout this issue. Uh, you know, because they track the location to like uh, Gotham Blood Tave or. Yes, the Blood Gotham Haven. Bloodhaven corridor is go. what they used. Um, and then at the end, of course, like one of the cliffhangers is Bab saying, "Is that a helicopter overhead?" Um, I've I've kind of enjoying this silly little subplot. Uh, even in here where he he starts talking at one point about how he made up a fake study about uh married officers working and serving together, and it's like, oh, there was no study. It was it was the the combat readiness of married versus unmarried personnel. There you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, I enjoyed this plot. A lot more in this episode, uh, episode, this issue than I have in recent issues. I think mm-hmm. because I actually got a sizable chunk of it here. I got I don't know there was two different sections of it, each two or three pages long, as opposed to I think last issue it just popped up for one page and it just felt really fleeting and like it was just gone. Was I just like give me enough to actually get a chunk of. I just like how enthusiastic he is. Was that shit eating grin he's got when he's t- when he says about the funds? He's just like he's like ah, just the funds for it. The slide didn't yeah. exist. We're going to catch this person. We're going to do it. And even later on, when he's like, "Hey, I'd give you a promotion, but this is really off the books, so I can't." But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then a couple of Cobra agents storm in uh, to the cabin uh, and attack Dinah. Yeah, this has one of my least favorite moments of the art um, of of probably of Land's stuff is, so far. Is this when she's uh, diving back? Uh, and the gunfires firing yes. around her. Yeah. Well, uh, well, no, actually. Uh, sorry. Uh, it's it's when she's sliding out from under the bed. Uh, on the next page. Uh, oh, right. The action of it, like it took me a couple of seconds to actually figure out 
what what was going like you know, you see her grab the, their legs and then you know, and swing herself out uh, in the in the second panel is where she comes shooting out but I don't know it, it's something about her face maybe the, the way she looks really stiff it, it looks a bit unnatural and I didn't quite get the 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 movement of it the motion it felt really stilted um which is bit which is weird because uh, I think lands forte has been the the action uh, up till this point in this book maybe it's just a really awkward m- movement because it's very unnatural to the point where I don't even buy she could do this without like baby oil already being on her back <laughs> to slide properly honestly I think it, it it probably doesn't help that the two guys aren't really reacting because she has like you know a hand on each of their legs and then uses that to drive herself forward. And it's not tripping them over at all. They they seem to just be like, oh, where did you come from? Mm. I think it's a combination of, of all mean, these things that made this panel really kind of one of the worst p- panels from land so far for me. I think it may just be conceptually, it's just like they, they tried something, this would be a cool little action beat, and ultimately just that, you know, maybe it would work better in live action, because in live action, you would try it and say, no, this looks stupid. It doesn't work. So how do we change it to make it work? Whereas in art, they just sort of did it. <laughs> and it's like, it looks a bit weird. Uh, Could be. Would be my, my kind of guess. Uh, but, you know, all fine. Uh, the Ravens seem to have traveled back in time. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, 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 there's a lot of bouncing around the, the, the thing. There's, there's three plots going on here. There's this Dana and Babs and obviously them investigating uh, Dana's with Gary at this point saying, okay, how do I get a boat? How do I do this? Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Cheshire is giving the other Ravens shit, basically, being like, come on, you're supposed to be professionals. <clears throat> yeah. I, I think get, get it out of yourselves. The issue felt very energetic to me because it was bouncing around these three really well-defined plots. It felt like, you know, the helicopter's getting close to Babs, whilst Dana's going, you know, scuba diving in the lake and looking for stuff. It, well, was, it was really well-paced in that regard, yeah. yeah. Um, because each thing... It was rarely just one page. It was usually, you know, a couple of pages, or they they uh, they transitioned really neatly. If it was mm-hmm. just a short page, uh, and you know, all these things that kind of added up to feeling like it had a flow that sometimes, you know, that this book hasn't necessarily had for me, at least. Yeah, uh, everything felt like it was sort of ramping up and coalescing, even though the actual plots themselves haven't combined yet. Uh, so, yeah, and Dana goes out to the boat, goes down, finds the satellite, and Babs is sort of looking into it. Uh, <laughs> Dana's, like, texting on her underwater tablet, or th- whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not a tablet. It's not just a, a screen. It has got buttons there. Yeah. What was um, what's funny to me about this, though, is that she's writing, like, fairly lengthy sentences underwater, and all I could think was, like, surely you'd want to type as quickly and as succinctly as you possibly could, and uh, not these long, proper... It- no, I agree. Yeah. It basically functionally treats them as narration boxes. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem in that it gives us still just Dinah's full voice, right? Like the, the first box is fine. If I read it here, it just says, found what they were diving for. That, that works fine. Yeah. But then the next one is, looks like a machine or something. Yeah. And, and I'm like, okay, you, you, you're getting too much now there. I, I, I concur with that. Um, and I'm pretty much at the end of this shoot here, where the, the Ravens basically go, how do we get home? Uh, and this is where they're talking about neutrinos, uh, which is where I'm sure you're going to talk about Star Trek, uh, Star Trek, sorry, Star Wars, uh, because obviously what it says, like the Force. Um, yeah. Uh, Cheshire says, you know, uh, you know, physicists think they bind the universe together, which goes, you know, like the Force. But, uh, and you hinted in a, in a, a Flash review, it, it felt very midichlorians-esque 
obviously this predates that. Um, yeah. But I think it's just based off the the line from the you know A New Hope, where it's it's uh, everyone talking about the force. You know, it's, you know, it, it, it binds us, surrounds us. Uh, you know, uh, you know, connects all living things. I think is is the line. Hmm. Uh, I may be slightly misquoting, but you know, that's the the general gist of it. I think it's 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 supposed to be a reference just to that line in general. I think. Are you even a Star Wars fan? I even getting the quote right. Oh, I'm sorry for not getting the exact quote of everything. Uh, I'm not dear. trained for this. Yeah, so there's it's like a three prong cliffhanger. We have the Raven saying, "How do we get back?" Don't really know yet. Uh, Bab's looking up, saying, "Is that a helicopter out here?" Uh, which obviously ties into the subplot. And then Dinas is the one that's the most kind of like murky. Yeah, yeah, like you know, we see her swimming before. Uh, up from the thing, and you see the silhouette of what is presumably the the, the, the Nessie yeah. tail. Yeah. Um. So it just ends with her. And I actually think the art here is really good on her face. Like I, th- I think her shock with the scuba gear on actually looks quite good. It's a good proper horror movie cliffhanger. It's got um a really interesting use of uh the pop art dots, which this book has not had at all. Mm. Uh, yeah, they're all over um the the scuba outfit. Uh, you know, in that final. Uh, panel um to great effect yeah and i think the you know the the the, the bubbles coming from the the scuba gear as well uh it just it gives it this in the hands in front of her it's a really nice image it's actually it, it says a lot on its own uh without much and the little speech bubble of course with just the noise of like mm, because she can't speak obviously yeah and and this is because obviously land is uh infamous for overusing reference shots mm-hmm um and obviously using reference shots are fine it's encouraged you uh, you know if you do it well uh everyone does they should be doing it to get things looking right yeah it's not uh, uncommon it's... for artists to actually take their own reference shots of them acting out like various poses for the sake of copying. absolutely um and it's fine to use other ones though if 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 they're there and as long as you're not overusing the same ones and they're contextually fitting i'll tell you this and, though th- th- this given the, the pose and the look has to come from a real movie of some kind, right? And yes. I feel I feel way better about this being based on like a horror movie moment than I do about a lot of your stuff which has been based on porn. I feel like taking the faces of porn stars and putting them into regular characters is a lot more sneezy yeah. <laughs> to me. No, I agree. And this is kind of where I was getting at is is this one it feels like such a particular like I can see I I can't see the exact reference that he's taken from, but I can see the the style of shot that it that is yeah. used right and i think he's captured it really quite well uh yeah. and and this is you know referencing used to really strong effect and and not just generic referencing of you know whole everyday poses this is a very specific you know uh it's, it's almost a reference in itself in how it looks it's a, it's an intentional calling to something i feel like this is one where if you had enough time to research it, you could probably find what it is if you if you, if you, oh, if you yeah if you wanted to sit down and look through because I, I don't think it's like an obscure movie. This seems like something that's probably a mainstream classic movie. It, it, it feels like something we've probably seen. Yeah, it does. Uh, but, you know. But none of this good. is a complaint. It, it looks fine. It looks good. Even It looks good in the moment, and that's, that's where it matters. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, my problem... I mean, obviously, I don't like the idea of tracing, which he's been accused of doing with some of his more modern work. And I think the, the idea of him taking porn star heads and putting them into just random scenes with characters to make them seem sexier just feels super skeevy. Uh, yeah, it, it feels like he got worse over time, because at mm. least so far on this book, it hasn't been 
that bad. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, we've been saying that from the start that it's, it's felt much better than these these modern work uh, yeah. from about you know mid two thousand onwards. Let's say because uh, I, I remember like when he did Iron Man, which was early twenty tens. I know that was lambasted. Yeah, it was about twenty eleven, twenty twelve. Yeah, so was terrible. And he already had a reputation by then, so I assume it was during the two thousands that he transitioned been, yeah. with his reputation. So hey ho, uh, I thought it was a solid issue though. Um, Moving, yeah, uh, moved everything forward. I liked all the plots uh, simultaneously. It makes you feel there's a lot going on. Uh, and you feel like they're all going to... I mean, I don't know if the helicopter stuff with Babs is going to necessarily link into the other ones, but it's definitely going to be an interesting problem if it, it keeps her busy whilst Diana needs her help. What's interesting about that is we've been assuming the whole time that the, the hacker isn't Babs, but mm. her you know, pen pal. Uh, I think it's interesting that the if, if that is still the case, that the pen pal is closer than we had assumed. Yeah, or he's just doing a really good job of tricking them into thinking this is where he is. Like, he's, he's sending yeah. them to, to Babs. That's a possibility. Setting her up, yeah. Yeah. Very possible, very possible. Uh, all right, what are you giving this issue, then? Uh, I'm going to give this a solid 8, I think. Uh, it's a really strong 8, not quite the 8.5. It's just missing something, I think, to, to, to boost it up a little bit, whereas it's, it's really solid, pacing's really all there. It's just... And all the cliffhangers are good, but none of them are spectacular on their own. This is kind of like... It feels like a perfect example to me of why I like serialized comics. is basically just... And maybe it's a bit of an insult. Some people don't like it compared to other media, but it just feels like a good TV show. I feel like I got a nice episode of something that I care about with characters that are going through things and everything feels like it's got momentum and building to something else. Uh, so... Um, I'll also give it the eight, but mainly, uh, just just through some of those nitpicks and they are, and yeah, that's basically it. Uh, at, at this point, GSA issue fourteen, Jeff Johns and David Goyer writing with Stephen Sadowski on the art, and we left off in the cliffhanger. We're in this you know fake Hawk and Dove world that uh, Hawks built or extant's built. I should maybe say a bit more, more, more precise, a- accurate with uh, these things, um. And it's an okay issue. I, I, th- I think I, I always remembered out of this first book, this arc at the end, this 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 book being kind of my, my least favourite. Uh, but, but a bit more sort of wishy-washy. Because yeah? I think last issue, it was maybe one of the... the not, not like a, a super bad issue or a super low rating, but it was definitely one of the lower ratings that we've given a GSA book. And hmm. I feel like this issue kind of continues that. There's some fun stuff. Um, comic books love to pull the we're in the fake world that's been made just for this storyline kind of thing hell we're doing it right now with death metal right <laughs> we're in like a weird version of earth just for the story oh sure yeah and i'm enjoying Sorry, that i thought you were going to complain yeah. about the uh the inside the the fake world then for a moment oh no 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 no, no that's been established uh before this uh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 that's more of a sort of consistent sort of safe haven they can go to that's been set up uh, earlier in the, the run um so yeah uh, and there's, you know, Fate and the others, the ones who were perceived to have died, Fate actually brought into the, the, the amulet. And they're in there kind of regrouping, doing whatever. The others are out fighting the, 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 the Hawk and Dove Knights and try to figure out what to do. And they, they kind of, like, they occasionally, like, one of them has the, the Fate amulet and there's, there's a certain points where they can hear something or they feel something coming from the amulet. Uh, notably, when uh, Fate goes to speak to, to Mordru, advice because Mordru may actually know how to, to fight this because remember they've got him trapped in there that's from the, the second or first arc that we had 
Uh, yeah, I think the first part yeah. in the Tower of Fate. And there's a moment where he starts miraculously laughing at the end, and like the the ones in the outside are like, "Are you here laughing?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was laughing somewhere. Uh, as they're going to find the uh, the Mobius chair, um, and it, they pull this switcheroo where the ones inside the amulet actually switch places with the ones outside the amulet, and this uh, sort of like freaks Stan out a little bit. The advice that Marjorie gives is basically just you know find Dove, Dove's in here somewhere, and that she'll be able to kind of like bring him back down in, in some capacity. Solid theory. Yeah. Uh, also whispers to him, what was it, the clockwork man is the key or something like that? Is, uh, yeah, yeah, meaning our man. Yeah. Uh, really specific way of phrasing it, though. It is. Uh, but yeah, they, they established that uh, our man actually kept a sliver of the Warlagog. The Warlagog, uh, yes. Ooh. I'm impressing myself there. Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> he kept a sliver of it, so it's not actually complete what Extant has, which means there's the potential for blind spots. There's a flaw, yeah. There's a there's a kink in the system they can exploit, uh, yeah. possibly. So, I mean, if I have a complaint uh, in terms of just storytelling, when the switch itself happens, I feel like there maybe could have been something better in the art to show that they swap places in a really sort of visual way, because I didn't really get it until, like, I think Stan says, where have the others gone? And it took me, a, you know, a few panels to really get what had just happened. And I felt like it could have been probably clearer. Yeah, okay. I'm with you. It, it doesn't play as a big moment or anything like that. It's just no. one panel is this lot, the next panel it's the others. And if I, I mean, if, if anything, I just thought that they, the, they just kind of came out of the amulet, but then I was like, no, the others are inside the amulet now. So what's, what exactly is going on? It was, I don't know, it was just a little bit weird. It's quite towards the end of the issue, though, admittedly. Uh, the cliffhanger is obviously they find this cell uh with dove in it and she breaks three of her chains full page spread uh in full costume now and yeah it's quite a good moment it. i think this ending um, yeah it's a decent moment i think it's especially it, it works well because you know uh, dove is you know she's peace you know personified essentially yeah. uh, and the idea that this this world is all chaos right and, you know that's why it's constantly you know, all the fighting and all the night uh you know having dove remember who she is, or at least this version of her, um, kind of becoming herself again. It's okay. The key to, to establishing peace again just kind of woke up. Yeah, uh, I think I think the, the the art plays is a really good moment as well. I think it's just it's an example. One of this being a trope in comics of doing the the made up world just for the story, and then the other problem I think is that it was just like you know the cliffhanger was that it existed last issue, and you know we have to kind of rush through the beast because we only have one more issue left of this arc, and. You know, I mentioned Death Metal. I mean, just recently, you know, in this very show, we did Emperor Joker, which, again, was this made-up version of, of Metropolis with all these different rules and characters in different places and stuff. Um, So maybe I'm just a little bit tired of it right now, so it's maybe landing even less for me than it usually would be. But I do feel like in this case, it, it does feel a bit rushed and, like, not really defined. It's just kind of... Yeah, I think it, it falls kind of in the middle for me. Like, in terms of... Out of the three examples we've got here, Death Metal... So far, bear in mind, if you're listening to this in the future, we've had two full issues, three, three full issues, three, yeah. three, three full issues and a couple of tie-ins. But notably, um, there's, it is paying off of a lot of build-up, so it's not completely out of the blue right. either. And I think the thing with, okay, the, the Death Metal one is, okay, they're, they're telling us it is the real world just morphed, so that kind of sets it apart from this one um, mm-hmm. immediately. This is a complete separate universe, essentially, that that someone has created for their own personal reasons, uh, which is a bit different. Um, and as opposed to, 
you know emperor joker um this doesn't get too you know lost in the in, in the weeds of what this world is it's there it's 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 just a bit different it's uh, you know kind of visually there for the sake of it a little bit almost um whereas uh emperor joker got a bit you know caught up in just look how different everything is and they stopped being a story uh whereas this i think at least is balancing that better um i mean it's, de- uh, it's, it's definitely better than emperor joker don't, don't mistake anything i said yeah <laughs> say suggesting otherwise but yeah, uh yeah. I, I will say you know they are you know sadowski's art's typically been very good i do think dove's outfits a bit on the skin t- like the boobs are a bit like yeah she just looks like she's painted blue and white you know it doesn't look like she's actually wearing anything <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that is a bit of a problem. Yeah, so uh, I don't have a lot to say about this issue, but it's just one of these things where you know I, I flew through, I got to the end, and uh, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of you know if, if this was a TV show, this three issue art would be one episode, and it'd be an episode that I'm like kind of eh on, you know, it's all right, but it's it's not one it's, of the standouts. It's worth knowing though. You say it's a a three issue arc, and while it kind of is, it's actually like a sub arc, right? Because this is still all part of that larger arc going Te- back to... Okay, technically it is, but it, I mean, if okay, go back to the TV show analogy. It would be two episodes, right? It would be like an episode that has the cliffhanger with them crashing the ship at the end saying, okay, all this stuff happened, the universe is going to die in 10 yeah. seconds, right? So that episode I would have enjoyed. This episode I'd have been like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> like, no, I absolutely get where you're coming from. Uh, I just think it's structurally interesting that this is very different from the standard arc 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 structure whereas this kind of was an arc and it's kind of broken down into what you know this is a very defined three-part story within this uh you know six or seven issue arc whatever it is by the end i'm not sure without checking and that's unusual for a lot of comics and i think it's uh, you know maybe hasn't necessarily paid off perfectly uh you know maybe uh, maybe it's had some you know problems but i don't think structurally the that has been the problem i think it's some interesting experimentation going on there with the structure Oh yeah, I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, essentially all it really boils down to is that you have two three-issue arcs, it's just that the first three-issue arc makes a point of setting up the second arc uh, in a, a little bit in its first, like, you know, five pages. And that's yeah. essentially what, that, what it did. If if I recall, the end of the next issue does kind of tie it back into being, you know, that from that first arc, you know, or first half of this arc. Kind of ties them back together from, from memory. Uh, we'll, we'll see for sure next time. Hmm. Uh, yeah, we'll still, we shall see. Uh, what are you giving it? I'll give it a six point five. I think it's not amazing, um, but I think it's still solid, easily written. Yeah, you know, uh, easily, easily read. I assume you meant. I, I, I did. Mean, <laughs> I couldn't decide between well written and easily, easily, easily read. But I mixed them up, and I just thought if I don't say anything and don't stop, maybe you'll let it slide. No, nope. it wasn't to be. No, no, no. I think the art uh, is solid uh for the most part i think it, it's it's missing a couple of key moments uh you know that, that stand out but the actual you know the layouts the pacing is mostly there yeah i'll probably go uh with a straight six uh you know it's, 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 not, it's not terrible it's not bad it's just you know it's, it's not actually my type of arc and then a couple of art critiques here or there you know the big moment with them swapping not really feeling like it was that clear to me uh, yeah. without the, the the dialogue having to really kind of explain it in the next few panels. And then the ending with Dove just looks a bit sleazy and, uh, hmm. you know, not even so much the pose, just the skin tight, you know, boobs. Yeah, because the pose isn't 
that bad. It nah, is it's just, just, just the, standing the, there, but the costuming. Yeah, uh, particularly put in the little nipple bump just to really make it. I, if I recall, because I'm looking right now, it's only on one. As I assume that's meant to be because of the angle, because the, the one boob's more in profile, so they're going for the profile nipple bump, but the other one... Maybe, but I thought that was a strange choice. Whereas the other one, you're staring right into the eye of the nipple, so it just appears flat. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's how nipples work. It totally is, we talk about <laughs> Hey. Think of the Ubisoft logo, where if you if you're just looking down at it, it's just this flat thing. But if you look at it in three D, it's a poop. <laughs> so it is. <laughs> it's like dog poop. It took me a second then because you said think of the Ubisoft logo, and I went, "Oh God, what does the Ubisoft logo look like?" Not so much <laughs> the old one that was blue, but the new one that's just like black and white. Black and white. Yeah. yeah. No, I can see it. Uh, anyway, there you go. That's a uh, GSA issue fourteen. Shazam, The New Beginning, Issue 4, Roy Thomas and Dan Thomas, uh, with Tom Mandrake on the art. Uh, rounded out this miniseries. Uh, we have our, our ending. It's pretty much a natural ending that you'd expect from this, uh, where he gets to beat Black Adam, and uh, Savannah goes on the run from the, the authorities and everyone, wanted for everything that he's done, obviously. Um, and Uncle Dudley kind of coming to the rescue, essentially. Yeah, it's actually a, a very straightforward issue and just setting up where they wanted Captain Marvel to be by the end of it for, you know, post-crisis. I mean, yeah, it actually says at the end that it's just, you know, Shazam's kind of at this place an in invasion, or not invasion, uh, Legends is what the, Legends. The, the event was that was going on, the miniseries. Because uh, it, it, it did loosely say that this was a tie-in to Legends, but obviously it doesn't. It's, it's completely standalone. It just happens to be that Oh, Captain Marvel in this series. Find out how he got to this stage. Uh, yeah. But from the sounds of it, though, it sounds like he was still, like, you know, this fresh new version that was inexperienced in Legends. Uh, that does seem to be the implication, yeah. That, like, you know, they say it occurs immediately after this miniseries, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Dudley shows up and throws a book at Savannah's head, and uh, basically, Billy gets the, the distinct pleasure, because... Dudley's in a bit of trouble, and Billy basically realizes to get out of this machine to stop him from going to the other, to, well, A, to save Dudley, but B, to also stop from going to this other dimension, is all he has to do to get out of the, the machine is to actually become a kid again. Like, and the handcuffs are suddenly too small, you know, too big for his, for his arms. Exactly. Uh, so there is kind of a satisfaction uh, when he turns back into Captain Marvel in front of Savannah and lets Savannah see that this is him. It's him that's causing all these problems for him. Yeah. Uh, but because at one point Savannah even tries to recruit Captain Marvel, he's like, "Hey, if you side with me and promise to always work for me, uh, and take on Black Adam, so that I don't have to be his slave, uh, you know, we could be in business together." And obviously, Shazam's like, "That oh, piss off." Yeah, <laughs> it's basically yeah. the gist of it. Uh, but and then Shazam saves the plane. He goes and you know, it's it's in like an underwater cave. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of action here. There's a lot of him and Black Adam fighting, uh, causing waves as they collide midair. Yeah, uh, and again, it, it's where the art is at its strongest in this series, where it's all these just straight square panels for most of the issue, and then as soon as it comes to the action, it's it's all off at angles, it's got a flow to it. Yeah, it makes it feel a bit more special. Uh, you know, basically, Billy, or Shazam turns back into Billy, uh, when they fly back to the house mid-fight, 
and tricks Black Adam into hitting the the lever behind him. It's a little contrived, you know. It's a little like oh, he he happens to just hit the lever that's going to turn on the machine and take him to mm-hmm. the other dimension. You know, it's a little bit. Uh, afterwards, they destroy the machine. Uh, Billy obviously flies to the plane and brings it out. And uh, again, all, all very nice in the art. Uh, the, 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 I mean, it's not really that detailed a power because it's quite a small panel, relatively speaking, for what it is. It, I mean, this could have easily been a two-page spread of the, the plane lifting out of the water. I suspect nowadays this would be a six-issue miniseries easily, <laughs> and you would have a double-page splash for that. Yeah, and I wouldn't complain about that because this feels like a, that, that feels like the sort of visual that should sell your Shazam, you know, origin. Like, hey, he's lifting a plane full of, you know, kidnapped yeah, victims. I guess in context here, lifting the plane isn't a big feat of strength. It's not a big deal. Finding the plane was the challenge. Yeah. Uh, still though, triumphant moment, and they could do do, yeah. do more with it. Uh, but bizarrely, Billy gets a job at the TV station he, he went to briefly. Yeah, after we complained about it, I think it was last issue, yeah. where it felt really weird and jarring. And oh, no, I it, was just, it, it, was, was, it was issue two. It wasn't the last it was issue. Issue two. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess it's set up for this, but yeah, it still feels weird. I wonder if this is where he is in the Legend series, and there's stuff of that yeah. in there, and. Maybe if you were already reading Legends, this kind of felt more natural because it was like, "Hey, look, this is how we got to there." Well, it, it definitely is because it ties into uh, the you know the, the, the Godfrey, stuff. Godfrey stuff, yeah. Because I mean, we, we actually saw some of that in uh, one of the Bat books because this was this happens to be right alongside it. So yeah. clearly, Godfrey's whole thing with Legends is the stuff that's tying in remotely. So maybe the whole TV station stuff like is the one thing that was shoehorned in to tie it into what was going on elsewhere. Obviously, we, we felt it in issue two, whatever that was. I don't think it's bad here. It's it's actually okay here. It's got us the uh, ending. It's got us like an epilogue. This is where he is now. Yeah, so it works fine here. Um, and ultimately, if that's the one tie-in symptom, that uh, I mean, better than a lot of modern books when it comes to tie-ins. Yeah, because I had a moment when I got to Godfrey, I was like, wait a minute. I feel like we've seen him recently, and then I realized what it was. Oh, that was also a Legends tie-in. That's why. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, interesting. They also tease Savannah and Mr. Mind. Even, I mean, it's not really Mr. Mind, but it's it's kind of pointing at it. It's like, it's a, definitely, it's definitely like a visual cue of saying, hey, this is where this is going to go. Uh, yeah. In some capacity. So, yeah, it plays with some familiar beats. Uh, and, you know, Black Adam is not dead or anything like that. He's just back in the, the his bottle, essentially, back in his own dimension. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty straightforward issue. It's probably the, the, the most straightforward of all the issues. Um, uh, it's one of the better paced ones, though, I would say, because it is just straight through and then an epilogue. It's not like, you know, trying to fit in, like, three different plots at once. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, it's, it's, probably, it's probably the least interesting issue because, like, nothing about it is that surprising. It's just kind mm-hmm. of straight. But the fighting is good. I don't know if it's as good as the first fight that Black Adam Shazam had, though. I, I feel like that I, first fight was really good. I agree. I think that was... Uh... A bit, a bit better. It was more of a, a showcase, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, but this is still really solid. Yeah, so that's the end of the miniseries. It is worth mentioning the trade, uh, if you're reading it through the trade version, does have a couple of other uh, stories. A two-part story that was in Action Comics Weekly at one point by the same writers uh, about Captain Marvel. Um, which we didn't read, but I was just pointing out, so it's there. Yeah, I was reading the singles. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's there if people want to uh, read that. Obviously, it's a bit... Because I'm obviously, this is only a 100-page story, so they, they put this in as a extra in the trade to beef it up a little bit. Uh, mm. get, get it up to that 140-ish 
uh, sweet spot. But it's a uh, it's one of the rare things I will compliment Marvel on, especially in the last you know five ten years or whatever it's been. They're quite happy to put out shorter trades of four issues and just charge less for them. <laughs> uh, whereas DC feel an obligation to put in other random stuff to um, you know to to make it up to the the standard length. I mean. I agree that is an issue. I don't think it's a problem here because it's like you know a two-part story by the same writers who wrote this one. And sure, uh, well, I just mean in general, you know, while we're on it. Yeah, you because know, where else is it ever going to go? Uh, if oh, you know, oh. so, yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's it's it's, it's a perfect kind of bonus for this. But uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the miniseries. It definitely had a lot. It, you know, it feels of its era. It feels of its time in the late eighties. But it's not. Uh, it was pretty good though. Um, it's pretty solid. It did didn't have much to surprise us. It was. Pretty much the origin we expected. Uh, a couple of little bits that are different, but it's impressive just how much his origin has more or less stayed the same over the years. Yeah, still, I think this holds up as a very readable story. It does take a little bit longer to read, maybe a little bit more wordy than you're used to with a modern comic, but... Uh... It's not too bad. Yeah. No. yeah. How are we giving this issue? Uh, I'm going to give it just a straight seven. It's It's pretty good. Yeah, I'll give it a seven. There you go. Batgirl, issue 11, Brian Q. Miller, uh, writing with Eager Bet and Pierre Perez on the art. So this is the next part in the, the drowning, the rain, the flood. That's what it's called. I was, I was like, what's the, the actual flood, yeah. word? What's the actual yeah. word they use? I was like, it's not drowning, it's not yeah. rain. Yeah, like, you, you knew it's something's warm. Yeah, flood. Uh, so we start off with Babs in this sort of dreamlike world. She's married, married to Dick, she's got kids. But her narration immediately is like, Something's not right. Like, I feel a bit weird about this. That something's not quite going... going. You know, something's not in the up and up. Something's off. Yeah. Some nice art kind of beats here. You know, just like, okay, the the, the, the Robins sat outside on the, mm. on, the, on the branch. Just, you know, just, you know, just, just getting out. There's, oh. It's there, right there. My favourite touch in this whole dream sequence is that they've got the Power Rangers uh, colour coding rules. Uh, Damien's in green. Red Robin Tim is in red. Uh, Dick's in a blue shirt. Babs is in a sort of pinky purpley shirt, right? It, it's it's more purple in uh, what she's wearing when she wakes up in yeah yeah and, so and the apron's purple, but it's it's the actual you know shirt is quite pink. I, I think the idea that though is that she wakes up in purple, but then gets less Batgirl into this like home life of like you know, and there's even the crack that Damien makes about uh, the the turkey being a bird to prey. Uh, yeah. yeah, and and again, it's just you know she's like it's not. And, and and it's like you know it's, it's obviously her brain just trying to give her clues yeah it was like a moment where she sort of realized she sort of sees steph like through the window or like and it's like steph like running in the rain trying to we, we should point out she is walking here oh she, yeah she's walking around yeah she's yeah. so yeah. so we know it's not real we know that there's there's more to this right there's no no attempt at fooling us uh whatsoever which i appreciate because sometimes yeah. these do and obviously we we always know very quickly that's what this is and sometimes the book can go too long without making it, you know, when, when it gets to a point where it goes, aha, see, it's not real. And, and, and we're like, yeah, we, we knew this 12 pages ago. Yeah, yeah. And I it mean, she feels a bit old. She immediately knows something's up and it does this sort of the killing joke kind of. T- it, it makes sense if this is her psyche, that that's something that's around in there. I like that it doesn't dwell on it too much. It's, it's just a little, that's the little nice end to the scene to give the little jolt of like what's going on. Uh, and then we're with uh, we're calculator, and he's talking about what he's, what he's like. Ah, I was just going to kill her, but like I, I might as well go in and see what the secret she's got because she's connected to so many you know heroes and all, all this stuff that she's done. Meanwhile, Stephanie is on the run uh, from Man Bat uh, and also Catwoman, who ends up you know grappling her up into the 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 the, the they're like a 
the shipping docks with all the big containers and all that. And again, like the, the narration that Miller gives, both both Steph and Babs, but and obviously here's particularly Steph, is just so good. Is this yeah. one of my favorite things about it is just her inner voice, and she's like, "I'm screwed." Someone famous said that. I'm sure someone did at some point. Someone famous had to have said that at some point. Uh, she's she's probably right. Yeah, no. Um, and you know, she takes on she takes down Catwoman, but then Huntress shows up. He's like, "Oh shit!" Huntress is like, you know, she she kills people. <laughs> this is a, this is a bad start. Um, so super fun, and we end up with this kind of, you know, struggled first time kind of alliance because Wendy ends up sort of performing the role of Oracle because she starts talking to Steph over the comms. And it's like, hey, I can try and help you. And Steph feels awkward because she calls her dad an asshole, or uh, what was it jackass? Jackass was the exact phrase. Uh, and he's like, it's okay. He is a jackass, but it still feels kind of awkward. She's like, I, I, sorry about the jackass. Like, you know, this, this still... okay, it keeps coming back up for like the next like yeah. three or four pages. Yeah, I, I did particularly enjoy how she gets away from Huntress though. She like dives down a drain and throws some bat bombs behind her, uh, and you see Huntress going flying. Uh, I thought the art here was quite good, particularly the sequencing of the the, the action yeah it's good. um because when she spots the great uh you you have it you know almost zoom in on that in the bottom mm-hmm. corner of the page and then the falling through is a very vertical panel uh you know to, to show that falling it, it's really effectively uh layout and not even just that you that's a vertical panel which is kind of on top of a the outside shot of Huntress being blown away from it, and again the idea that the the, the vertical panel, which is a box, is inside this cramped sewer, and the outside, which is open, is where Huntress has been blown it out. Doesn't and, have a, yeah. a panel border, just goes no. to you know the side of the page. Yeah, so yeah. R- really smart layouts, I think, uh, to throw out the action here. Really good stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so she Wendy keeps trying to help, and she spots the uh, the what did I forgot what they called this. I don't know. The, the stupid bat- bike I don't like. The, the bike you don't like, yeah. But mine bats down here. Uh, you know, they, they are here as definitely on the cartoony side. I'm assuming this is a, a Perez page because it feels not necessarily Gar- Garbet, uh, typically. Because uh, Steph's body does feel a bit more cartoonish, but not in like a, like a sleazy way or a stupid way, I don't think. It feels kind of cartoonish. I don't know. I was kind of feeling this was Garbet. This stuff. This felt. I'm gonna be right. Most, mostly on point with what the issue had been. Oh, yeah, the book had been. I think the stuff in Bab's head is the the Perez. Really, stuff. I mean, that looks yeah. more different to me. Oh, uh, you're probably right. I just it was Steph's like body proportions feel a bit more cartoony, and not in a bad way necessarily. But it does it does feel. I think it's trying to emphasize just how big and gargantuan Manbat is. So they've got her kind of feeling like. Uh, What's what's a what's something to compare this to in terms of art style or proportions? Like it, it's reminding me of like a certain. I, I guess cartoon is the best thing to come up with, but like a specific kind of like almost like CG cartoon, like something like Pixar might do, like proportions wise mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know. Uh, they don't look that off to me personally. They don't, they don't look that unusual, so I'm not quite sure what you're getting at here. If I'm honest. Uh, fair enough. And again, this is not a complaint, but it's just the, uh, the head's rounder, the ankles are really round looking. It's just a, a bit more, uh, mm. I don't know, accentuated. Uh, so then the calculator's inside Bab's head, and he wants to steal information, but she's like, all the books in the library, you know, this virtual or simulated library she's in, are all blank. Uh, so 
Yeah. yeah. And coming out of this has one of the best transitions uh, between, especially this is going between artists, but in terms mm -hmm. of just the, the layout and panel and sequencing, um, you know, Babs dives out the window with calculator uh, and, you know, it's out of this brightly lit room into just darkness and they're falling into the darkness and it's just kind of the glass uh, shards and them that you can see in the light. And then as you turn the page, we cut back to the, the real world and it's it's uh it's Stefan Mambat coming out of the, the the sewage pipe, and you can just see the you know the the eyes in the blackness, and it's a really smart transition from falling out of black uh, falling into blackness to falling out of blackness. No, it really is really smart. I also like there's a little uh, gag at the start of the the previous scene, uh, where the calculator can hear Bab's narration, and he says that you know, you you think too loudly. So yeah, I've been told I have that problem. It's kind of a running theme uh, that they've been playing jokes with, but it, obviously in this case it's literal because he's actually in our head. Yeah. Uh, but I really like that touch. Uh, yeah, Steph's uh, on top of man bat. There's lightning in the sky. It feels very sort of you know fun and uh, very Batman the animated series cartoony kind of you know atmospheric. The rain, the thunder, all of it. It builds an atmosphere. Uh, it's all really great. Uh, Wendy shows up in the the bat cycle. My thing. She she lands uh, or tries to land Mamba at the airport because like, oh lots of space that'll do. <laughs> yeah. Useful. Uh, and. You know, wheelchairs, she's got a wheelchair there, so she gets her at the bat bike, and it's like, okay, there's a plane there. Dad, you were a Teen Titan, right? It's like, yeah, Dad, did you ever fly the T-Jet? Is it kind of? Well, <laughs> here we go. Stay, then. Stay, po stay positive like that, and we just might make it through it. Yeah, I actually, because the final page is uh, Steph, like, jump, you know, basically free jumping out of the, the plane to go to where her calculator is. Uh, I love that last page, actually. I, I think the, the sense of motion, this full page spread of her, and I love the, the sort of the, you know, the respirator and the goggles on over the suit. It's a really nice visual, I think. It is. Uh, I actually really like the, the page before where she's suited up the goggles and then just the foot coming out, you know, as she's jumping out. Again, pacing. It's pacing yeah, in the, it, the it, art. Yeah. All in the pacing. And honestly, um, good pacing can cover... Uh, I mean, it helps that I think Garbutt is actually a very good artist in terms of just the, the line work anyway. But right pacing in your panel selection can make up for... Uh, you know, below average line work. Uh, it's it's the storytelling can you know overcome that if you have the correct pacing. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like if a movie looks kind of ugly, but the direction and editing is very good. <laughs> I suppose you can kind of cover up. Yeah, yeah. You you like it kind of is like editing actually in that way where it's all you like can editing. cover up a lot with with a really good edit. I mean, the difference, of course, is that in, in a movie or a TV show, uh, you can do pacing in a single shot with just the, having the actors move. So so comic book art sequencing is covering for both editing and just general movement. It's covering for both. Yeah, I, I would almost say it's almost having a good script, right? Uh, you, if you've got a good script and you can, you can have maybe some weaker cinematography, you can have maybe some spotty actors here or there, but mm -hmm. if you've got a really strong script, uh, you know, at that core, you, you've got that through line direction where it's you know what it's doing, you can make up for a lot of those other areas, as long as they're not too bad, obviously. There's a point, you know, where it, you know, it gets beyond yeah. the, the, the limit. But you can make up for some shortcomings as long as your core thing is strong. And it's the same here with comic book art, I think, where as long as your core pacing and storytelling structure is really strong, you can have some spotty panels here and there and it doesn't it doesn't ruin the flow it doesn't ruin the the atmosphere overall 
So I really, really saw this issue. That wasn't clear. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, um, probably my favorite issue of this arc. That may be fair. That may be fair. I, I think I really like the last one. But, I mean, mm. they've, they've all been good. So, I mean, it's hard to... Yeah. You know, I, I think the, the, the Flood's kind of the, the arc where it's, okay, we've done all the intro stuff. We've done all the setting up of what Steph's world is. Now it's... Tell an actual story. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, really good stuff. So, there, what are you giving it? Uh, 8.5. Yeah, 8.5 for me is too. I can't argue with that. Well, that'll take us out of the part of the show then. We pick our, our favourite, our least favourite. Uh, maybe give it best start of the week as well uh, from the books we did for this episode. And um, So, I mean, least favourite. I mean, for me, it's probably Wonder Woman. Because uh, I remember Flash was quite good this week, actually. So, To be honest, it might be Wonder Woman for me as well. I think that was a, a subpar issue. Oh. Wonder Woman. There you go. Uh, best art of the week? Uh, I think Batgirl has to take it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think Batgirl too. Uh, and then best overall of the week? Uh, Batgirl again for me. Yeah, I agree it's probably Batgirl, because especially since I, I wasn't as hot in this GSE issue. Um, overall this week, Wonder Woman was a weaker issue. JSA was a weaker issue. Not bad again. Neither neither of them I don't think were bad, but weaker issues. Uh but then uh Birds of Prey and Flash, I think, were both quite oh. good issues. Um so if anything, those are the two main contenders for uh you know, with Batgirl for for the best issue. Yeah. Alright, there you go. That is the show that has been previous in the multiverse. Uh, look forward to the next one, which we'll try and make a bit quicker. Uh, <laughs> the last couple have been a bit spread out. We'll, we'll see what we can do about speeding those up a little touch. Uh, but you can let us know what you thought of Eddie's books in the comments below. You can like and subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, get us on the Twitters at DC Comics Podcast. Obviously, look out for the main show, which is Comics for the Multiverse, where we talk about new DC Comics with Matt. Um, anything else I need to tell you? I don't think there is necessarily, but yeah, there you go. As previously, um, so uh, I mean, I suppose I should probably pimp Patreon. Now I think about it, I usually pimp Patreon. <laughs> Those producers deserve the shout out. This, oh, yes, I should thank Patreon producers. That's also a good idea. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producers for the month. Thank you to Alison and Fordyce, Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordnow, Al Tribesman, Christopher Moy, and Brett Williams. They're all Patreon producers, meaning their $20 or above on patreon.com slash TV. But you can support us there for one dollar or more per month. So thank you very much for joining us for previously in the multiverse. It has been adequate. Thank you. Very much. We'll see you next time. Keep reading DC comics. And what did I say at the end of these ones? Do I have a catchphrase? <laughs> uh, I think you do, but I don't know what it is because I stopped listening by now usually. Huh. Hmm. This has been a hell of an outro. Uh, yeah, keep reading DC Comics and remember to, to... I don't know. Justice for Cold Snap? I don't know.